0: Why don't you uh, turn in your Bibles right now, get a copy of God's Word, uh, open to uh, James uh, chapter 4, looking at verses uh, 13 down to 17 uh, today. Now, um, I think one of the conversations that we've probably all had with somebody over the last little while is about uh, what our summer plans are uh, for this year. You know, you've probably had a conversation with some friends, probably some people even here at at church. You know, what's your what's your time off look like uh, this summer? You you, know, have you have any plans? Are you planning on going on vacation? Are you you know you going to travel? Are you going to go camping? You have the the cruise thing planned, or heading to the cottage? You know, for you maybe it's it's staying home and you've got some you know some house projects that you're going to be doing and it's not going to feel uh, nearly as much as vacation but you're using up your vacation time to do that now these are the types of things that uh, we generally plan for right and usually well in advance as as they require that we would be you know strategic we got we got to figure out our, our schedules and calendars and you're trying to line those up as a, as a family and you got to think through and plan your your budget for these things because obviously these things aren't cheap or free and then of course you've got to decide on you know what are the what are the specific activities that we actually you know want to spend our time doing let's do what we did last year let's never again do what we did last year right Lots of decisions need to be made as we consider planning for the future. Now, as you think about your future, whether that be, you know, thinking ahead to summer vacation plans like we mentioned, or, you know, maybe for you, it's where you want to go to college or where you want to go to university after you are done high school. Maybe you're kind of thinking through proposing, you know, to your girlfriend, and I want to be able to do that in, you know, six or eight months or something. I want to save up and get a ring or as you think about your future in terms of, I wanna start a business or you know investment planning and you know, future retirement goals and all of that, when you think about these things and you strategize and you prepare for these future type ambitions, what is your attitude and what is your mindset towards them? Because what James says to us today suggests you know, just how easy it is for us when we, when we think about the future and all these different examples of it to essentially what we do is we can easily just kind of push God off into the background about it. And we're like, you know, he might have some things he wants to say about, about that for us, but we're just like, you know what? No, it's tunnel vision. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, completely go after what I want. And, and it can become an arrogance thing for us. We just, we just kind of charge ahead without considering how we as Christians should approach our thinking and our planning for the future in a way that actually honors the Lord, who, of course, holds our future in his hands. Let's take a look at this then from James 4, like I said, starting in verse 13. Follow along with me. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. God, as we think about this and we think about the future, Lord, we know that um, it is very easy for us to, uh, again, just kind of push you into the ditch, push you into the background, back burner, however you want to kind of categorize that, Lord. But uh, we don't often consider um, you in our planning. And oftentimes when we think about our plans and we think about the future and what's ahead, we're often, if we're honest, just kind of thinking selfishly. And it's what we want and what we want to build and our comfort and our pleasure and, and all of that. And Father, I pray here this morning you would uh, create uh, for yourself a, a church, a bride, people uh, for yourself who, who understand that, that everything is in, is, is in subjection to you. Lord, that, that you indeed hold our future, Lord, and and God, what you would want for us is what we need to consider as the top priority. And so, Father, I pray that as we open up these verses and, and kind of pull them apart and look deeper into them, Father, I pray that you would lead us and guide us, humble us, teach us, convict us, encourage us, Lord. We pray that you would speak to each person as, as needed. Lord, we thank you so much for this chance we have to be together today and to be with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Now, for the sake of, uh, of clarity here, let's understand, uh, first of all, that it's, it's not wrong to plan. All right? Do we know that? Do we understand that? It's not wrong to, to think about the future and strategize and all of that. It's, it's not sinful to, you know, to make money, right? It, it's not sinful, even to some degree, uh, to desire to make money. Right? That's that's not necessarily wrong. Now, Timothy, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, he says, you know, the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. And so we need to be really careful about that and be diligent to watch, you know, where our hearts are at, and that you know, the pursuit of all of that doesn't become an idol, and it's easy for that to become an idol. But listen, nowhere, nowhere in these verses here that we looked at does, does James chastise believers for You know, for planning, you know, or for again having money. Rather, what he's doing here is he's challenging our attitude and our mindset and our approach to these things. Right? Because as always in the scriptures, it it's about the heart, right? It always comes down to the heart. You know, is is your heart functioning in such a way where it desires God's glory above your own in these matters? Right? In things like your your finances, and your hopes, and, and in your dreams, and your desires, and your plans, right? So it's about discerning, you know, what are the driving motivations uh, in my heart, right? What are the driving motivations behind what, what you and I are doing as we plan ahead, right? Again, do they glorify Jesus, or, or do they betray more of a, more of a self-centered a, a, an, an arrogant slant, right? This may not be something that is obvious to the eye, and so we need the Holy Spirit uh, to make these things clear to us and expose our hearts, and really all of this brings us to the first thing here today in your notes. I betray an arrogant attitude about the future when I assume that my plans will prevail when tomorrow isn't even guaranteed, You take a look at verse 13 with me. Here's what James says to these believers, these these entrepreneurial believers, these business-minded Christians. Here's what he says. He says, come now, which which literally just means now listen. Right? He's inviting us to pay attention to what he's saying. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will, as in guaranteed, we will go into such and such a town and Spend a year there and trade and definitely, if I can add that word in, make a profit. And now at face value, this doesn't seem so wrong, does it? What, what, what James is saying here, it doesn't seem like a wrong thing to do, to, to plan and make a profit. And really what he's doing here is it's, it's a challenge to the presumptuous person, all right? The person who, who thinks about uh, tomorrow and has like, a, like a, an overconfidence uh, about it right? The person who's kind of kind of cocky about all of this. That first of all, there will be a tomorrow for sure, right? They just assume, assume that. And then second of all, their, their you know, grand plans to, to line their pockets, to, to turn a, a profit will like absolutely prevail as long as I put, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears into it. And so what James does here is he pours basically like a cup, of, you know, a much needed cup of cold water on, you know, that, that brash type of of attitude on that fire. Take a look at verse fourteen. Look what he says. He says, "Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring." It's like, man, y- you don't know. He says, what, what is your life?" He says, "For you are a you are a mist." Some translations say, "vapor." You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Yeah, I'm sure a number of us uh, made coffee this morning. I have had far too much right? But what I did, of course, I boiled the water, right? I boiled the water. And, and as I'm watching this thing get hotter and hotter, there's, there's mist, there's steam coming out. And of course, you know, it doesn't fill the entire room and it didn't linger. It wasn't staying there forever. It, it disappears very quickly. And so James says, this is really what our, our lifespan is really, really like. And I mean, the Bible, it conveys the, the brevity of life, the fragility of life Uh, all over the place, actually. Job in Job Job chapter seven says, remember that my life is a breath. It's a breath. David in Psalm 39 says a number of things about it. He says, behold, you, God, have made my days a few hand breaths. I had to look that up, but it's literally just the breadth of your hand, right? Just the width of your hand, Not, not very long, okay? He says, in my lifetime, my life, my entire life is as nothing before you. Remember, God has no beginning and no end. He is eternal. We, we had a beginning, right? We will die. And we think about, you know, living for 80, 90 plus years. That's a long time. Well, compared to the Lord, it's, it's nothing. But he continues, David does. He says, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Right, shadows change. They're there one second and they're gone the next. Now again, James isn't, let's be clear, he isn't directing this towards Christians who you know, are, are, are wise and, and, and humble humble in their you know careful planning towards the future. We should be like that and we should do that. Rather, he's bringing the you know the necessary. Uh, stark perspective, really, to those who do so in an arrogant and smug way, right? Reminding us that we don't have nearly as much control over what's going to happen over tomorrow than than we really want. We all we all crave that, and sometimes we even think we've got it, because of course even tomorrow itself isn't guaranteed. And I mean, I, th- I think we all know that, don't we? We all know that tomorrow is not guaranteed, but here's the thing. We don't live like we know it. Now, I was thinking about my, my calendar, and I was looking at my phone, and just some of the things that are coming up uh, next week, right? And I've already got my tomorrow all figured out. It's a day off uh, for myself and for my family, but I know that I have a doctor's appointment uh, in the afternoon, right? And so I know that that is something that I'm going to do, or rather, I know that that's something I'm going to do, because at the end of the day, waking up tomorrow, it's Again, it's not guaranteed. It's not to be you know, grim about all of this. It's just, it's just reality, right? It really is. And that's really the problem that, that James is unearthing. This idea that we, yeah, we know on a certain level that tomorrow's not guaranteed, but, but we don't live like it. See, the thing for us is that we've lived to see so many tomorrows, right? If, if you're here and you are alive you've seen probably, depending on your age, thousands of tomorrows. You've, you've woken up and you've experienced that. And so we just get very comfortable and just, again, assume that tomorrow uh, will come. And what James is doing here is he's warning us against this, you know, having this, this kind of self-confident, worldly mindset and attitude that, that can easily take over our hearts, where we make sometimes these, these grandiose schemes and, and plans and have these great dreams under the, you know, kind of brazen assumption that we, we absolutely can and will dictate what's going to happen tomorrow, right? I, 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 I have the power to determine my future, right? And my plans will triumph as I see fit, right? You can see, right, how that, how that kind of creeps into our, and just kind of the way we think and act and believe and behave, and it's sort it's basically what's happening is, is we develop a little bit of a God complex in all of that, right? Like I, my, my tomorrow is guaranteed. Here's what I can do. And comes kind of the, these misguided notions about what we're actually able to accomplish and do. And it's really, you know, really the Lord only who can do these things. And so in verse 16, actually, if you would jump down ahead there to it, he, he just kind of punctuates the point here that he's getting at. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. He says, all such boasting is evil. And so again, it's really a rebuke to the person who who brags or who glories in this, you know, their sense of self-sufficiency, which is again, that's a worldly attitude, right? There's nothing godly about that. Proverbs 27 verse one says, "'Do not boast about tomorrow, "'for you do not know what a day may bring.'" Now, I kind of wonder just how much our lives, our our, our future plans, our our attitudes about all of that would change if we actually lived as though we weren't guaranteed tomorrow, right? I I wonder kind of what we would change now. You know, I I think actually a lot would change probably, right, if we live like that. Okay, so let's, let's kind of ask ourselves some questions here. These are going to be uh, on the screen and just kind of something for you to kind of chew on this week and talk about, you know, as you know, husbands and wives, you know, with your kids and, you know, in your small groups and what have you. But I mean, considering that our, that our lives are a mist, okay, they're a vapor, they're a, they're a breath, what, what kind of adjustments do we need to make right now, right, T- today in our, in our thinking and in our approach to the future, Right, so three questions, and you can jot these down. And again, the idea is to get, this, to get you kind of thinking about how you might, um, meet, might need to tweak some things. Here's the first question. What personal goals do I need to surrender to the Lord? Right, think about your personal goals in life. It could be career goals right? I want to climb the corporate ladder. I want to, you know, I want to start a great business. I want to be, you know, financially independent. And I want to have, you know, I want to have money and I want to have the toys. And I want to have, you know, want to be able to provide for my kids so that they can go to school and they can be set and taken care of. What are some of your, your goals in some of these things? It could be about, you know, your hobbies. Like, I want to be a I want to be a scratch golfer, and I'm going to pour a lot of money and a you know a lot of time and a lot of energy and time away from you know the world, and I want to I want to go after this and become as good as I can be when it comes to whatever hobbies. Now, again, it's not to say that you know your career or your desire for money or 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 your hobbies are sinful in and of themselves. Again, some of these things are you know they're fine at face value, but I think we need to ask ourselves the question: Do I do I want these things? for the wrong reasons? Or do I want them too much? Have they, have they captured my heart? You know, As I think about my goals in all of these things, are, you know, it, 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 do I sense the, the presence of, of arrogance in any of these things? Right? Is there something that I need to change now when it comes to my goals? How about this question? How should we shift our focus as a family? Or maybe you as a family, you, know, you, 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 need to, you need to kind of rethink some of, of how you live. And you know, as, as a husband and as a father, you know, I, I ask myself often the, the question, like, like, what am I modeling really for my, for my family? Right? What, what kind of values am I putting on display? Not, not just what do I say I value, but what based on my life you know, do I value? What are my kids really seeing at the end of the day? You know, are, are we, as, as a family, are we invested in, really, at the end of the day, temporal and worldly pursuits, right? Is that what we're going for? Is that what I'm setting my kids up for? You know, are, am I being diligent enough in, in discipling my kids, right? I, I, I'm pushing them in, in school, which is great. I'm pushing them in, in athletics and, I, and, I, and I'm pushing them to, to be kind in and, and all of those things. But are, are we preparing them for what they're going to face in the world, right? A world that is just increasingly hates Christians, hates Jesus. Are we, are, are we, are we preparing them for that? Is there, is there a shift that needs to be made now when I, because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed next week or you know, 10 or 20 years with them. Good stuff to think about. How about this one? What matters most when it comes to how I spend my energy, time, and money. What matters most? Right? If I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, then I probably should, as a Christ follower, live now for what matters most in God's eyes. Right? If, if I happen to be given tomorrow, that is. As, as opposed to you know, just establishing uh, what, what is maybe little more than you know, a building up of my own empire. Right? So what James is and getting us to, to kind of do in all of this is to evaluate and and constantly reevaluate our attitude and our focus right it's basically doing a you know like a system scan you know and looking for arrogance is there any of that going on within me right do i do i automatically assume that there will be a tomorrow do i do i assume that my plans and you know my schemes will will, will automatically triumph and prevail are, are, are my future goals, are, are my plans that I have for myself, my wife, my kids, all that, is it even remotely godly? Right, these are the questions, hard questions that we need to ask ourselves. Or is really all of this just about me? Right, if we sense that, you know, we're a, you know, we're a ways off from what God has called us to, it betrays the presence of, of arrogance in our hearts, which requires things like confession and, and repentance and bringing all of these things back in line with, with the truth of the gospel, right? And where we remind ourselves again that we have been saved to live holy lives, right? Lives that, that please him on a, on, on a daily basis, right? right? To, be, to be grateful for, for every single breath that, that, he, that he's given us, that he graciously gives us. And then of course, to, to use those breaths, to spend those breaths, Uh, for the building up of his kingdom, uh, not our own. All right, here's the second thing. I betray an arrogant attitude about the future when I overlook the fact that my plans always bow to God's sovereignty. Okay, so he's just reminded us of the fact that our lives are, you know, but a mist. Okay, so don't, again, presume that everything that you wanna do is all automatically gonna be established. And then he says this in verse 15. He says, instead... Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, James has been, I mean, driving towards this already, but here he just kind of, he just essentially comes out with it. And really it's this, God is sovereign, you and I are not, right? that, that, that's, what, that's what he's saying here, right? God alone is, is supreme, right? God alone is unlimited and, and unrestricted and self-governing, he is he is, is all-knowing and, and all-powerful, right? All, all of, of time and, and human history, past, present, and, and future, everything happens according to his sovereign will, his wise plan. I mean, that, it's unescapable. You read the scriptures from, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. This is what the Bible teaches us. He is in control of all that he is. He is sovereign, and so if this is the case and, and we believe with all our hearts that it is, then when it comes to you know little old you and I and all of our super important plans that we think we have for the future, then it just makes sense that we would approach all of that with a if the Lord wills type of mentality, attitude, where we hold all of it you know, quite loosely. Like this is what I would like to see Lord, this is what I'm, I'm praying for, but Lord, your will be done, uh, not my will be done. Recognizing that he is the one who ultimately allows and, and causes and, and enables all of our plans to, to either be established or in some cases, possibly Frustrated. I love Proverbs 16, verse nine. We've got this on the screen for you. It's this, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And hey, are, are, are we able to completely reconcile the, the, the tension in that? Or are we able to, to totally compute how our will and, and, and our actions and, and our plans work within the framework of, of God's, you know, sovereignty and his control and his plans? No, we can't, right? We, we, we're, we're finite creatures. We don't, we don't totally understand the Lord. He is greater than us. He is bigger than us. His ways are not our ways. There's a sense of mystery here. But honestly, honestly, we don't need to understand all of it. We really don't. We just need to recognize that, that all of our plans, listen, even the ones that seem, to be fully in line with with God's will and what he would desire. Even those ultimately and always bow to the sovereignty of God's will, right? To what he wants. So do you tend to overlook the sovereignty of God throughout your days? Or or does it drive your planning? Are you constantly thinking about that? Does it does it impact the choices and, and the decisions that you make as you think about and plan for tomorrow? If we continue to overlook something so vital, I mean we'll we'll constantly be frustrated, won't we? We'll always be off kilter from how life is supposed to function for a Christ follower. We're supposed to be well aware of his sovereignty and bring everything to bear against that. So, you can write these things down. I will no longer overlook God's sovereignty over my future. Instead, I will do these five things. Here's the first one. I will fear him more deeply. Right? Psalm one twelve verse one. I'm not going to read these psalms, these verses that go with these here, uh, but you can check those out on your own time. But because God is sovereign, I will fear Him. Right? He is the one who is in control. I, I, I will come to Him. When, we, when we're talking about fear, uh, we're not we're not necessarily talking about you know, being scared and 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 timid and 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 running in the opposite direction. But it's a, it's an awe thing, right? It, it, it's it's respect. It's it's reverence, it's understanding his, his power and what he is, is truly capable of. Is there a little bit of uh, fear in that? Yeah, there is, and there should be. But as we consider the, the sovereignty and how incredible the Lord is, we should fear him more deeply. Here's the second thing we'll do. We'll praise him more passionately. Right? The, the Lord is is not interested in just, you know, flippant phrases. You know, where again, we start to learn the lingo of Christianity, right? Christianese, right? We start to learn that and we know that we can say, you know, well, if the Lord wills. But it's nothing more than empty words. And, and James obviously doesn't want, that's not what he means, right? He's not saying, oh, just say this empty phrase and then you're all good, right? The Lord's not interested in that. Remember, it's all about the heart. It's all about this being, this being genuine, and when we start to kind of understand the sovereignty of the Lord over my future, we can praise him more passionately, we praise him more honestly with joy and worship. Here's the third one. I will thank him more genuinely. When we realize that each and every breath that we are given is a gift from God that we just do not deserve, I think that starts to you know breed gratitude in, does it not? We realize, man, like I I can't believe I actually spent a lot of my morning griping and, and complaining and and using those breaths to to go against God and to go against people and and sin. We understand that God is, is sovereign. We become more, more grateful to Him. Every single blessing is, is appreciated. I'll no longer overlook God's sovereignty over my future. Instead, I will trust him more completely. Right? We understand that the Lord holds our future. He has got the entire timeline of earth in view. He, he knows it. Nothing escapes his eye. Nothing escapes his view. There is purpose in all of that, whether it feels like there's purpose in it to us at the time or not. He, he holds it all. And then the amazing thing is that he promises to be with us and draw near to us uh, every single step, and so we can trust Him. Doesn't mean that we're going to know what tomorrow brings. Doesn't mean we're going to have every single answer right now. But God has the answer, and so we can trust Him, trust Him more completely. Final thing here: instead, I will follow Him more fiercely. Right? What do we have to lose, really? Right, the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is in control. The Lord loves us. He's called us into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. What do we have to lose in giving him our all? Why why would we follow him half-heartedly? Why why would we mail it in? The Lord has called us to be in the game with him, serving him, following him, being passionate about all of these things. Let's follow him with, with, with a ferocity in this. What do we have to lose? As you progress through your walk with Christ and you're struck by his sovereignty over all things i mean you will feel appropriately small right you will feel appropriately you know humbled in all of that and i think that's a, that, that that's where we should be that's where we should live i love psalm 8 verse 3 and 4 it says this when i look at your heavens When I look at the work of your fingers, the the moon and the stars, right? He's taking in creation. He's he's seeing that the Lord is all powerful. He's seeing that the Lord presides over all of it. Here's what he says. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. That's exactly how we should feel in light of such an epic, strong, mighty, and sovereign God. Final thing here today. I betray an arrogant attitude about the future when I know the right way to respond, but fail to actually do it. verse uh, 17, take a look. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, uh, it is sin. This highlights uh, for us uh, the sins of omission. You heard of that before? Uh, Typically, we we kind of focus on the sins of commission, which, you know, are all the things that we should not do, right? All the, you know, the thou shalt nots, but the things, the the, the kind of those bad things that we end up doing anyways, we feel tempted to do them, and, and, and so we do them. Those are the sins of commission. The sins of omission are the good things that we should do and are capable of doing, yet don't. Okay, Proverbs 3.27 says this, it says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of look at verse 17 and, and, and when I first read that at first glance, it kind of looks a little bit out of place, does it not? Like, oh yeah, I'm kind of tracking with you know, James's flow of thought here. And then you know, verse 17 you know, kind of feels like it's like kind of bolted on at the end and it feels a little bit kind of misplaced here. Well, maybe at, gl- at face value it does, but if you think about it really, it, it really does fit the context well. Again, James has been, has been urging these, these business-minded believers to keep you know, the, the sovereignty of, of, of God here in full view as they make their plans for the future. Right? So, so this would seem to say that if you and I continue to, to plan for the future with hearts that are... You know, arrogant and presumptuous and in self-aggrandizing ways. When now we know better, then we're in sin, right? Because we know the right way to respond. Now we have no excuses. We we've just we've just read the word. We've just heard the word taught. But when we fail to do it, we're in sin. So hey, if you know that you're financial goals are, are selfish, right? And, 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 and that's been, you know, the Lord is kind of you know, pressing you on that a little bit. And, and yet you continue to go down that path. Uh, that for you is sin, right? And again, James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's a theme that's just constant throughout all of this, right? Be doer of it. Don't just, don't, don't just hear it. You gotta actually follow it. Or, or if you know that you're, Parenting focus is mostly about seeing your kids be successful in life as the world defines that. And you know that that's not totally right. Yet you keep marching down that line and you keep reinforcing those things to your kids. Then you're in sin. As a pastor, speak for myself here, let's say that my plan here was was to see this church just you know grow large and you know multiple services and this you know monument of a building and massive staff and all of that and and it's more about you know feeding my ego and, and, and looking good to other pastor friends or, or whatever it might be. And I, and I sense you know, there's something not right in, in my spirit about this. And, and, and the Lord is convicting me about that. And yet I, I, I keep going down that road and I don't deal with that properly before the Lord, then guess what? Yeah, I, I, I'm in sin. Because I know that the right response you know, is to confess that to him, right? That the, the, the arrogance Attitude, bring it to the Lord. I, I, the move would be to prayerfully you know, humble myself and, and realign my desires with God's. But let's say I, I'm, I'm ignoring that. When so doing, I'm, I'm failing to actually do what is right. And I would rightly be considered a, an arrogant man. Listen, no matter, no matter what theology I happen to hold to, no matter what words I can say to impress people, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's a failure to act in accordance with, with God's word, with God's will, with God's way. It, it, it's, it's pure pride, right? It's arrogance. So church, listen, let's humble ourselves today. That's what we have an opportunity to do. Let's really think, again, deeply about these things. Doing the system scan for, for arrogance and thinking about where, where the attitude of your heart is at with, you know, with these future things. Has the Holy Spirit been, been nudging you? Ha, has, he been, has he been convicting you? Maybe he's been doing that here this morning. Maybe he's been doing it for, for quite a long time. And yet, you, you know, it, that's uncomfortable and... And I don't like that. And you've kind of let your, your pride take over and you're trying to silence him and you're trying to, to shut him up and you're trying to continue to do that. Listen, to the Lord sometimes, he'll let you do it. He'll let you go down that path. He'll, he'll let you shipwreck your faith. He'll let you make a mess of your life and you think you know what's best. Do you? Don't ignore the Lord in this. If there's fear, if there's anxiety about these things, if there's worry, trust me, I get it. I live in that place a lot. Let's take courage today. Let's believe that the Lord is in fact sovereign. Let's remind ourselves that he loves us so passionately through Jesus Christ. Let's remember his, his goodness to us. And let's, again, get low before him and and let's inch our way towards him humbly, asking him to transform us, asking him to change our hearts and change our lives. Let's be willing to have a conversation with him. Let's be willing to have a conversation with somebody else that we know and trust and love. And just say, hey, listen, I, I'm struggling with this. I'm, I'm having a hard time here. Would you kind of help me think through my plans for the future and, and, and how I could you know, bring the Lord you know, back into this and bring it on, you know, in line with the gospel and all of it. Listen, would you be, would you be honest about that here today, right? Don't act like you have it all together. You don't, I don't, none of us do, right? We're all a little or or even a lot warped in certain areas and and maybe this is one for us. Well, listen, there's no better way for us to kind of retrain our hearts and, and, and get our minds back in line with Christ, then again, to remind ourselves of his goodness. And we've already sung a little bit about that. And we're gonna continue uh, to sing about that here this morning. And not just about that, but sing that to the Lord. Sing to him and and extol his great name for for his power, his, his, his sovereignty, his control over all things, including us and our lives and our future.